On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I'm joined by Matt Gasper, the former sports director from KSNT in Topeka, to discuss life as a sportscaster and now life afterwards. And in our Schmidt break, Justin Kleiner joins me to talk about Bubba Wallace, Brett Favre, and coronavirus in the college football ranks. I have all that and more coming up next. Welcome in everyone to episode 12 of Talking Schmidt and I have a guest on with me today like I say every week. It's a special guest but this guest that I have on with me it's a very fun and weird connection that we have. Um, I should start off by saying that my guest now former sports director at KSNT in Topeka Matt Gasper. Matt welcome to the show man. Ethan I appreciate you having me on looking forward to it and yeah like you said it's a Strange how we met, but the, the the life kind of comes full circle here, and now we're uh, now we're back to chit chatting, both out of the sports world, at least doing what we used to do, and living a different life. So it's, it's going well, and it's good to be on with you. Absolutely, man. What's really cool about this? So I have to tell the story because. Um we were doing a show before, which I have a lot of Titans fans that listen to this, so they'll be excited <laughs> about the game I'm going to mention. Um, but we were about we were going to do a show together. Uh, our two stations were at Arrowhead before the Chiefs Titans Wild Card game um, a few years back, and we had a meet up at Arrowhead and uh, do this entire show together. And as I'm driving up to uh, Kansas City, I text my one of my very good friends. He's one of my best friends. I've probably my longest known friend that I have, uh, Tyler Dickerson. And I text him and I said, hey, man, I'm heading up to Kansas City today. I'm doing this pregame show for the uh, for the Chiefs Titans game uh, with the guy from from Topeka. And he goes, wait, is his name Matt Gasper? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty positive it is it's, if, it, if that's their sports director. And he goes, dude, listen to this. That was my freshman year roommate at KU. And yep. so I, the moment I got out of the car and saw you, I was like, dude, um, I have a weird story for you. What was that like? I mean, just the first time we meet each other to have that weird connection. Well, it's something because you never know when you get thrown into that situation, you know, and, they, and your station bosses tell you, hey, you're going to go drive, you know, an hour away from me. I think it was longer for you, probably, what, two or three hours to get up from, from where you were. Yeah. Um, but you're going to go film a 30-minute special with somebody you've really never met before. You're both going to talk about the Chiefs and how brutally cold it was that day, um, <laughs> getting ready to play the Titans. And sure enough, the first thing you say when we get out of the car is, hey, you know Tyler, you know Tyler. And I'm like, I, I do. He was uh, he was a fraternity buddy of mine, and sure enough, we got a got a good connection right off the bat, and uh, everything else about it was was history. Then we had to film a good special, and it aired. And unfortunately for uh, the home team, we were rooting for the event. Uh, the actual outcome of the game didn't turn out very well for us, but we like to call it a learning curve for what happened this past year, and uh, we're able to you know make a run at get some revenge against Tennessee, and then make it all the way and win a Super Bowl championship. So. Ultimately, it was a good time. Um, could have ended better, but yeah, the way that, that you and I met was uh, was pretty cool. And then after that, it was like, wow, this is nice to nice to know somebody in Joplin who's able to to cover and be interested in the same things I am, but also have that that really cool friendship um, with one of my good buddies. So it's a it's a cool small world. Yeah, I forgot how cold it was. That that day was cold, and then they wanted us to film because the sun. I forgot about this. The sun was so like brutal that day. That That's they right. wanted us to film most of the shots in the uh, in the shade, and so you and mm-hmm. I were just 
bitterly frozen. So anybody that watched yep. that, were pro- they were probably watching us like, what is wrong with these guys? They're like shivering on television. But in the end... It looked great. Like I, I ended up watching it because my dad actually came into town. We went to that game and we watched it live, uh, and so we had to come back and watch the 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 recorded show. But it all came out beautifully. Uh, we did a phenomenal it job. Did. <laughs> it did, and that's the thing is, you know, we didn't have that all restricted access to go run through Arrowhead, and we yes. couldn't shoot from the club level or shoot on the field. We're just outside in the parking lot, just trying to run around, get the best shot with the Lamar Hunt statue in the background, and trying to figure out ways to to make it creative and make people who were watching actually think that, yeah, we had this whole run around. We were in with the chiefs and could do whatever we wanted when in reality, we couldn't even get through a, get through gate a to get into the stadium the week of the game. <laughs> That's right. And I had to beg the lady that was selling merchandise in the pro shop. Would you please do an interview? Cause they want outside stories. And luckily their manager like just came back from lunch and she was like, nah, I guess I'll do it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. So I remember that. Yeah. Because that if crazy. she wouldn't have done that, I mean, who knows what would have ended up happening. We wouldn't, he would have had to go back to the boss and say, well, we couldn't really find an outside story. <laughs> so here's what we got, but no, it worked out. That was a, that was great. And timing was everything. So it, it worked out really well. So Matt, tell me a little bit here. I know everybody has a journey to sports broadcasting. Uh, I know my journey, um, you know, from when I very first got behind a mic and I was just like, I think I could do this uh, to where I've been uh, thus far. And I know that there will be stuff in the future um, already getting things going here. Um, Tell me a little bit, though, about kind of what sparked your love for sports broadcasting, because I bring a lot of people on, but I never really ask, you know, sportscasters that dream how that all started um, and just what happened for you. Well, you haven't heard this story yet either. So uh, I've always grown up, been obsessed with sports. And, um, you know, I'd sit in my basement when I'm 10, 12 years old, just playing video games. And instead of actually playing the game, I would just let the computer play against each other. And I'd sit there and announce the game. So I was kind of that kid who wanted to enjoy the announcing aspect of it more than I did actually playing. Um, but I didn't think there was really much of a career in it because it's so few and far between. And back then in the you know, the late nineties, it was, you know, you knew how tough it was to break into the industry. So when I, um, ultimately ended up going to KU and got into the business school, cause I just went with the idea that, you know, I'll keep, uh, keep journalism and broadcasting as something, just a little fun hobby. Um, but I wanted to focus more on, on business. And after two years, I realized this really just isn't as much fun as I was hoping it would be and ended up uh, my second semester of sophomore year took a one-hour credit class on Thursday night where it was basically an intro to television where they do the little weekly uh, weekly broadcast 30-minute news episode um, at the TV station there in Lawrence and it was me come on and basically run camera um, work the audio booth really really basic stuff and all of a sudden, I really liked it. Decided, hey, this might actually be something worth pursuing. Um, tried to get a little bit more involvement the rest of the semester and ended up getting a gig to go to film a couple Bill Self press conferences. Not go to the games, just go film a press conference. And sure enough, um, fell in love with it and decided right then and there, I need to get a journalism degree because this is something I really like. I love the access. I love being able to talk sports with other guys and gals who love and are absolutely passionate about it. So I just decided to kind of shift my college career right there and 
starting junior year, I was mostly focused on the sports broadcasting side, but I'd already gotten two years with the business under my belt. So I just stuck it out and decided to, uh, to double major. And in the end ended up getting that, uh, that sweet little fifth year victory lap out of it and enjoyed a lot of perks when it came to, uh, came to covering Kansas athletics. And when you got out of college, you obviously, you know, your first gig was in, uh, was in Topeka, which is a great place to be because you get a chance to cover a lot of things, Kansas, Kansas state, um, you get a chance to cover the Chiefs, the Royals, things like that. So was it cool to go back after graduating and being around it for so long at KU? Was it cool to kind of go back and then still be able to be a part of uh, their coverage? It was excellent just because you made so many connections in those last two to three years when I was there. You know, you, you meet so many people and you get so involved with the athletic department, not just the big sports, the football and the basketball, but the connections you know I made with uh, the volleyball team who made a run at the final four while I was there, uh, with the soccer team who's constantly a top 25 team, uh, with baseball and some of the, the great traditions that they have on the baseball field. So, you know, there were all sorts of connections that were great to be able to, to utilize once I made it to Topeka and got the sports reporter gig. Um, but at, at the same time, Topeka is kind of the middleman market for covering Kansas and covering Kansas State who, when I went to school, you know, obviously your in-state rival, you're not too, uh, you're not too big of fans of your in-state rival. So being able to, for five years, having to kind of play the bias card and make sure I don't come across as really pro KU on air, uh, took some getting used to, but I think by about year two or year three, it was, you know, I, I had somebody come up to me one day and they said, Hey, why are you so hard on the Jayhawks? You must not like them. And so I knew I was doing a good job if I was, you know, trying to be more critical of KU than I was for K-State. <laughs> That that's a good uh, that's a good buffer for you to have for certain. Well, Matt, we're going to take our first break here on Talking Schmidt. Uh, when we come back, uh, it's it's a fine line for sportscasters, as you've mentioned, to be a fan and then also get to cover a team that you do love and care about. Matt's going to get a little bit more in detail with some of the moments that he's had in his career. We're going to have that coming up next. Hey guys, thanks for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget you can catch us on social media. Just head over to Twitter and find me at underscore Talking Schmidt or on Facebook at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the show. And welcome back to episode 12 of Talking Schmidt. As I mentioned in our first segment, joining me for the second segment, my same guest that I had, I have Matt Gasper, the former sports director at KSNT. He's a KU grad. Uh, I told you in the first segment how we met. We actually had a mutual friend that I went to high school with, Tyler Dickerson, who was also a fraternity buddy and uh, went to college with Matt. So that's how we all got things started. Um, We're glad you guys are back with us here for the second segment. And Matt... Jumping into things, I, you, I, I know as a, as a, you mentioned being a, you know, obviously a KU grad, and you know having to juggle that fine line of KUK state love, and, and when you figured out like, okay, maybe I'm doing it right, but I know one of the other things that's very important, uh, very important for all sportscasters and lovers of the game, is that we all have professional bias. Um, being in the area you are, it was, it was probably good to be a Royals fan and a Chiefs fan, but. Uh, Talk a little bit about how you separate yourself sometimes when you have to realize, like, okay, it's just a game. You know, I, I have to be like, I can't be super, you know, crazy about, you know, a Chiefs loss or a Royals loss or something around that nature. 
Well, first and foremost, it's a lot easier to do that in the regular season than when you get into the postseason. <laughs> um, I grew up in Kansas City, so um, you know, always been to Royals games and Chiefs games since I could walk. And so, obviously, we'll, we'll take the Royals because their success happened a few years before Cam- the Chiefs did. Um, but we would go to games when they couldn't get more than eight or 9,000 people in the stands. And we would go just mostly for the night out, not so much to watch good competitive baseball because the Royals were losing 100 games every year. But um, once they started to get competitive, was right about the time I got into uh, that first gig in Topeka. And it was an incredible run. I mean, just that that 2014 team surprised everybody to the point where, you know, all of a sudden you were thinking they're going to be eliminated and in the wild card game by the A's. They make that great comeback in the eighth inning. And then all of a sudden they go all the way to the World Series and, they come down to, you know, Madison Bumgarner stood between them and a, and a world championship in 2014. Um, what we actually, our station, since we didn't cover the Royals on a regular basis during that 2014 season, we didn't get credentials to the World Series or any of the playoffs for that matter, which was an absolute heartbreaker. So we're sitting, uh, me and the sports director at the time, Alex Weeble, we were in the parking lot at Kauffman Stadium watching game one, game two, game six, and game seven, or however the, the game split up. We were watching from the parking lot at Kaufman uh, because we didn't have credentials to get into the game. So it was really difficult, especially then, because you know you're there, you're, you have that rooting interest because you want to see the celebration. You want to see the fireworks. Uh, you want what's coming next if they were, if they did happen to win the, win the World Series. And you didn't really get it that year, but you got a taste of what it was like. And then 2015 was was phenomenal. Um, something that I'll certainly never forget. And being a being a hometown kid, I think everybody in the uh, in the building and everybody who watched on air knew how passionate I was about baseball. And once that 2015 playoff run started, it was like, okay, Matt's gonna he's gonna put on his little homer homer shoes, his homer bias right here, and and really be all out for the Royals. I mean, I, I wore blue ties. Um, it was, it was all Royals for me during that playoff run. And, you know, I think maybe at a bigger station, if it wasn't the hometown market, they might be against that. But at our station, you know, everybody was, it's let's wear blue. Let's go get the Royals a world series. And fortunately enough, we got it. Now I, I got a chance to talk to a, a good friend of mine uh, in a previous episode who got to cover. He's from Indianapolis, and he got a chance to cover the Indy Five Hundred. It was like a dream come true for him. Um, was that what was that moment like for you in 2015 when you were there? You were able to cover it, um, and and you just got to be a part of all that was happening with the Royals that year. You know, it, it, it's amazing, especially building off that success they had the year before. Um, just being able to, to be in the clubhouse and be down in the locker room with the guys after games, just the, the confidence level from how everybody felt like every night they went out and took the field, they're not just going to win. They're going to win easily. Um, you know, you never had that feeling in, in 2014, you know, you kind of got that feel that, well, we're just in happy we're here. Let's just go enjoy the ride and see how long this can last. But once they got to 2015, it was it was all business, and this team they had one goal, and it was to win the World Series. And um, you know they they just they they ran them, they just dominated the 2015 playoffs, and they won it in New York. Uh, unfortunately, we were not there; we didn't have the budget to travel to New York, so we were we were watching it back home. But 
uh, it was, it was something. And then we certainly made, uh, made good use of it and enjoyed the parade and all the, all the great things that happened, uh, happened following that win. So one of the things that now in your life, uh, you and I were, we're not, I wouldn't say we're not retired sportscasters, you know, we're no still, <laughs> we're still grizzled vets. Uh, I feel like, you know, we're just, uh, we're just sitting in the free agents, free agency pool for a little bit. Uh, That's right. you know, we're the Ryan Fitzpatrick's right now of, uh, of sports broadcasting, you know, somebody will pick us up sooner <laughs> or later. Right. That's Is right. that a good analogy? That's right. I love it. I think that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, we're here. We're staying fresh, and you know, whenever uh, whenever somebody needs or an injury happens, just give us a call. And we'll we'll fill in like it's no big deal. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll win a few games for you. Um, so, kind of looking back now uh, on your career and everything like that, um, you know, obviously this past football season had to be you know one of the greatest moments. Uh, in your life, getting a chance to watch the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, um, you know, just being able to kind of see uh, that long-suffering fan base finally get to say, like, we finally have a Super Bowl. Uh, would you have rather have been covering it as a sportscaster, or were you glad that you were able to just be a fan and just be a part of the experience like that? Boy, that is such a tough and such a good question. And I think... And I have no idea if this is the right answer or not, but I think I would prefer it the way I had it here and being able to watch it as a fan. And I think the, that's the answer just because I got to enjoy the Royals while working in the industry. Um, because for me, you know, I, I had, we've seen a lot of Chiefs great regular seasons and then just collapses when it comes to the playoffs. The first road trip I took when I was in Topeka was to Indianapolis to watch the Chiefs blow a 28-point second-half lead uh, in the wildcard game against the Colts. And, you know, we were in the press box that game trying to look into booking our tickets to, I think it was Denver, because we were going to go to Denver next if they they hung on and won. And then, sure enough, uh, Andrew Luck leads some remarkable comeback, and the Chiefs blow it in the second half. And, you know, then the game against the Titans, like we talked about in the first segment. so it was just kind of like, oh, it's the same old thing for the Chiefs. So being able to look at it from the outside and being able to, to watch games with friends and being able to actually, you know, talk football and have a beer with the guys while watching the game was, was a, definitely a, a new experience for me, having usually been at all the big games in person covering them. So I think for this one, uh, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed looking at it from the outside and kind of being a, being a fan. I, I think right now, if you know, obviously with everything that's happening, and we don't really know when the season will start uh, for the NFL, I'm still under the complete belief that the team that's still in the best shape uh, are the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs. Uh, are do you agree with me on that statement? Uh, I mean, as a sportscaster, and you can throw a little bit of bias fan in here, but do you feel that sure. way as well that they are the the team still the team to beat because they have so much that they still have um, from this last team. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's so hard to pick against them just because one they have Patrick Mahomes and if he stays healthy, who knows? The sky is one hundred percent the limit for him. Um, but yeah, I mean they they ring back. I think the numbers twenty of their twenty two starters from last year's Super Bowl team are all coming back, and one of the ones who's not is is the punter. Uh, Dustin Colquitt. Right. So, you know, it just, it's hard to go against a team who made three incredible come from behind wins in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. 
when they bring everybody back and it seems like they only get get stronger and kind of get more elusive with their uh with their first round pick um getting edward Delaire out of lsu it seems like that's a, that's kind of a, a perfect mix for this team just to kind of get another little speed guy out there kind of like a like a Tyree kill be able just to catch the ball and just let him do the work so yeah it's hard to pick against them i mean i i'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to be right up there but i mean if you don't think the chiefs will be right up there with them i don't know what to tell you final question for you here uh, as a former sports guy, and, and as I, I know this as well, you have a lot of you know friends who um, obviously want to talk sports with you. Do you still have a lot of friends, especially when fantasy sports are on, that still reach out to you to ask for your insight on who to draft? Yes and no, because uh, I was never any good at fantasy football. <laughs> so I get people who want to chime in and be like, hey, what's the inside scoop? And I mean, I used to be able to say, well, I don't really know, but I'll tell you something that you might want to hear. But then when everybody would see me uh, week after week, how are you losing so badly each week? Um, they kind of, the, the questions and the uh, suggestions for tips kind of started to dwindle away. The one thing I am good at, though, is uh, fantasy golf. I've actually really uh, taken a liking to that over the last couple of years. And uh, now that golf is back, we're actually still in fantasy golf. So we're able to, to kick that off again. So it's, it's a little bit different and not quite as... Uh, strategic let's call it but it's it's still something well if i if i ever need some questions about golf i know who to come to now man i appreciate that that's right always take joaquin neiman he's uh he's a sharp shooter who loves to get birdies and eagles so he's he's a good good safe pick almost every week well matt it's been awesome getting a chance to catch up with you man and talk to you a little bit about life post uh sports casting and you know best of luck to you uh in your future and everything that you're doing man um you know i hope and i you know i i say this to all my guests but i i always mean it to everyone i talk to i hope that you uh would like to come back later on down the road uh to talk a little bit more sports with me and talk a little bit more schmidt Ethan, I would love to. Thanks for having me on. We got a little baby girl coming in September, so uh, maybe we can get a little special special guest here coming up in the fall and the winter to to chime in on a little sports knowledge. I'll be I'll be getting her equipped with a with a ball and a bat as soon as she can walk. So That's we're in, awesome, we're in good hands over here. That's awesome. Best of luck to you guys. Absolutely, man. We're gonna take our uh, final break when we come back. You guys know what time it is. It is the Schmidt break. I have Justin Kleiner joining me. That's coming up next. Well, finally, we're at the Schmidt break, our final segment of episode 12 of Talking Schmidt. As you guys know, Justin Kleiner joins me for the Schmidt break. Uh, Again, we are unable to be in person. I had some things I had to get done today, so we're having to do this over the phone. Um, So half of this recording is at the Schmidt House Studios, uh, and the other half is at Casa Kleinerd on the back deck. That, That is correct. Okay, so that I mean that's the two studios at this point. So Justin, as always, man, thanks so much for joining me uh, on this episode of Talking Schmidt. I hope you are doing well since uh, the last time I saw you about four hours ago. <laughs> Better than I deserve me. So a quick thing I did want to mention before we get into our major topics was we did have some breaking news tonight. Uh, it looks like Major League Baseball, we are looking at maybe reporting July 1st. So... We should have Major League Baseball. Yeah, great, great news out of Major League Baseball. Um, as as you know, hard as it was for billionaires and millionaires to come to an agreement, 
uh, on, you know, the, the revenue splits and all that. Um, we're going to get baseball. Unfortunately, this is just like the NBA. It's just, it, it's too damn late. We should have had, we should have been able to watch the great American pastime, you know, this July 4th weekend coming up in a few weeks. And we're just not going to be able to do that because they couldn't get their head out of their butts to get it together. I mean, so I'm glad to see they're going to get it done, but let's not remember what, you know, don't forget the sport that dominates the sports calendar from about August to February. Yeah. And that's football. College football and the NFL. Listen, they're, they are about, the NFL and college football is about to dunk all over Major League Baseball. I mean, we're talking Scottie Pippen dunking all balls in the face on, you know, the NBA, the MLB, and MLS. You could probably combine their ratings, and they're not going to scratch the surface with football. Football's going to dunk all over them. It's, it's going to be amazing. But it'll just show them they should have got it together. Uh, but nonetheless, we are going to get some baseball, so that's always a good thing. Uh, you know, and maybe it won't. Maybe my Braves will let me down before October this year. Who knows? Hey, there you go. Uh, moving in, you just mentioned college football, so I guess we'll start there with one of our topics and one of our main headlines here, uh, and that was the cases of coronavirus that uh, we've seen. Clemson report twenty three, LSU report thirty. Um, they're Kansas State, I believe, at thirteen. So we've we've been having the teams report. Some people are asking, did we have our players report too soon? I am under the firm belief right now that yes, this is going on. I know we're doing our best to try to make sure that you know if this is something that is that is spreading uh, as crazy as people are saying it is. You know that there are people who are trying to control this. However. And the grand scheme of things is if we're still going to have a season and you're still wanting a season, these guys have to get on the field because if not, they're not going to be in condition. Uh, they're more than likely going to get there'll be more injuries this year if you're not having them well prepared. So uh, if you're looking at this kind of from the outside perspective, uh, you might say, well, we, we rushed back too soon. But think about if you were to wait until July um, and and or August to try to really get these guys out there on a practice field uh, hitting each other. This is a very brutal sport. Uh, there's no, I mean, rugby's fairly brutal, but football is one of the most brutal sports that you will ever find. And to say that, you know, well, did they rush them back too soon? I think you're you're getting into a point now where we have to be, remind ourselves that if you're going to play this sport and this sport, if it's going to happen, you have to get these guys on a field. You have to get them conditioned. You have to go through those hitting drills. You have to get them in these hot summer uh, temperatures because there's going to be morning games. There's going to be afternoon games and even night games that are still extremely hot. These guys have to get their bodies conditioned to it. Yes. Um, a few things. Just to remind people, between 7,500 and 8,500 people die every day in the United States. Listen, I'm not a fan of death. I think death is awful. I wish nobody had to die. Unfortunately, we live in a broken and fallen world and death exists, okay? So, again, in America on a daily basis, 7,500 to 8,500 people die on a daily basis. If you look at Sunday in the United States, 96% of those 7,500-some-odd deaths were caused other than by the coronavirus. So you're looking at 4% of the total deaths. It's a pinprick, okay? The, the, disease, the disease, while it is bad, for people who are under the age of 24, which encapsulates most college athletes, 
uh, with the exception of a few, um, they have a better chance of being struck and killed by lightning or being stung by a wasp or bee and dying, or for that fact, driving to campus to participate in practice or school in a car wreck. So you're mitigating the risk. I, I mean, that, that seems like the word choice for here for, for the last four months is all risk mitigation. Uh, these players, if you look at most college football players, you know, these guys aren't coming from the best, you know, social economical statuses. Okay. The best place for them to be is on a college campus where they have a, a, a great place to live. They have a dorm or an apartment. They, they are guaranteed all the meals in a day that they want. You know, some of the best facilities in, in the entire globe are at their fingertips. Okay. As with anything else, you're seeing a, a rise in positive test cases because we're testing more. When this first started, we had a shortage of supplies of tests. So they only tested the most vulnerable around us and the highest risk. So if you were under a certain age, whether you were symptomatic or not, you didn't get a test. Well, now anybody can get a test because, again, America is just absolutely exceptional. Greatest country to ever exist. So we've been able to produce these tests, and now we've met the need. So with having more tests, we're able to test more people. And as you test more people, you're going to have more positive tests. Most of these players are all asymptomatic. But what's happening when most of them came back to campus, they weren't testing positive for it. But as they've gotten back into these college towns, you know, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they're doing what, you know, guys who are 18 to 22 years old do in a college town. They're going out to bars. You know, they're, they're hanging out with, uh, with you know, people of the opposite sex, and, and they're mingling and, and, you know, getting their grind on. And, and what's happening is they're catching the corona because they're out there living their lives. So, you know, with that, they're going to test positive. But, again, they're at a low risk. I mean, now what you don't want to do is for them to go visit their grandparents or parents who are, you know, over six years of age or in nursing homes and, and bring that virus to them. But as long as you keep them on the campus and you keep all the, you know, keep them away from people who are susceptible, you know, if you're, a, if you're an at-risk coach, you may have to do some telecoaching this year. You know, you may have to look at alternative ways. or Maybe you just sit out of coaching altogether this year. The players are absolutely fine, but listen, they're going to get drugged. The NCAA and all these all these uh, colleges, they're going to get drugged through the mud by our disgraceful media just to sell more of this fear porn, to make this seem like it is the worst thing ever. And, you know, unfortunately, I think you're going to have some teams at the lower level that say, hey, we're not going to do it this year. Um, but your big, your big schools and, and most schools in general are going to have football because you know what? Without football – you don't have women's badminton. You know, you don't have all these other Title IX sports. And honestly, you know, they're paying the bills for all these. You look at North Carolina, just just the football program by itself. North Carolina, which is one of the biggest basketball schools in the country. You know, Jordan played there. I'm sure he's given a lot back. You know, their football program is 40% of their athletic budget. So if they don't play, there's going to be some problems. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see some people that are just going to do it and they're going to try to mitigate the risk and keep these players as safe as they can. But then they, the stuff is going to circulate. If you're going to get it, if you ask me, June and July is probably the best time to get it. So, you know, that way come this fall, 
you know, from from all knowledge we have of it right now, this could change. This is, you know, minute to minute with this virus and the research, but it doesn't look like you can catch it again. So, you know, maybe right now, if you're a head coach, maybe you want your whole team to get it. I don't know. I mean, if, if I was a coach, I think I would want my whole team to go on and get it. I know I would want one or two things. I would either want my whole team to go on and get it now so that when we come this fall, we know they're good to go. Or I just probably wouldn't play football at all. Because those, that's the only way that you're going to be able to pacify the media is everybody goes on and gets it now, or you just shut everything down from the fall. If not, the media is just going to drag you through the mud over it. Well, let's keep the action in football. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about something. We, we talked about Colin Kaepernick the last time uh, that we talked on our Schmidt break in Episode 11. Uh, some new developments on it. Uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, Brett Favre, came out, and he made a comment comparing Pat Tillman and Colin Kaepernick. Um, he has since then come back on his statement saying that he wasn't trying to compare what Pat Tillman, what happened with Pat Tillman, as, as if you don't know, which I'm sure if you're a sports fan, you do know, Pat Tillman, he left the Cardinals, uh, he joined the military, uh, and he was killed overseas, uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Brett Favre had mentioned uh, that what he was trying to say was that they were two guys that truly believed in something and they set their minds to be that way. As someone who grew up in a military family, uh, I, I felt it was a, it was, it's a very different thing. I, I felt at least, um, because, you know, when you look at Pat Tillman, you look what he did for the country and, you know, it was one of those things where he wasn't talking about it. He was being about it. And I guess you could technically say Colin Kaepernick taking a knee uh, was how he felt he should be about it. Um, but definitely I, I feel that it, it is it is different um, because Pat Tillman was technically fighting uh, for Colin Kaepernick's freedom to do what Colin Kaepernick has done when he was in the NFL. So for me, it didn't sit too well because, you know, uh, as someone who grew up around a lot of military people, um, a lot of friends and family, you know, who, uh, you know, their, their loved one didn't come back from overseas. Uh, you know, it, it didn't really feel, um, right to me when I heard those words, because, uh, you know, I have seen, a lot of my very good friends um, who've lost brothers, who've lost fathers, who've lost, you know, just so many people in their family that it just really, it, it kind of stung me a little bit. I know you're going to, you know, give your take on it, um, everything with what Favre <laughs> said, but, you know, for me at least looking at it, uh, I just, I couldn't get on board with how he originally phrased everything. I, like I said, I know he's kind of come back on it um, and said that he doesn't think that they are the same uh, because, of course, Pat Tillman giving the ultimate sacrifice. But again, for those of us who have military, you know, family members, you know, when your family, when your, you know, dad, your mom, your brother, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, whatever, goes overseas, you know, you're sitting there every day wondering if they're going to make it home. Yeah, I, I'm going to tee off on Brett Favre here in, in just a minute, uh, but I'm just going to echo what you just said. Um Anybody that is willing to sacrifice their life uh, and ultimately give their life for their country um, is an absolute hero, and they deserve and they are rightfully recognized for those sacrifices they make. Um, there's a lot of people that go over there to fight, and they come back, and you know their life is not the same in one way or another, and then there's some who don't come home. 
and you know that does give you know that these are the these are the people that are fighting to maintain the rights that we have here. You know, Colin Kaepernick has the right to do what he wishes to do because of these brave men and women and their families. Uh, you know, and then you know, as Americans, you know, we, they also fight for your right to burn the flag. Uh, but you know, they also fight for your right to stand up and and sing the national anthem and be proud of your country for what they do. Uh, you know, I've made it no secret at all. You know, I am a patriot. Uh, you know, now front and foremost, uh, you know, I, I'm a child of God. Uh, and that's how I identify first. But I'm also patriotic for America. I, I think what America does is good in the world. Um, and I think people need to realize, you know, th- this is a great place. We are not perfect by any means. Uh, but I promise you one thing. We're better than any other country out there, thanks to these brave men and women over you know, the last 200 years that it fought to keep and maintain those freedoms that we have. Now, on to Brett Favre, okay? The problem you have when you put athletes on a pedestal, whether it's a Colin Kaepernick or LeBron James or a Brett Favre in this case, is they're only good at a few things. And just because you can dunk a basketball or you can hit a baseball or you can throw a football doesn't make you an intelligent human being. That just makes you good at what you're good at. So, you know, Brett Favre may be great at throwing a football. Brett Favre may be good at downing a, a Miller Lite. And Brett Favre may be good at sending pictures of his Dick Cheney to, you know, reporters in the media. That's about all he's good at. He's not good at commenting on anything going on in this world because he just doesn't know. He's not knowledgeable enough. And, and what he said is just absolute ignorance. He opened his mouth when he shouldn't have said anything at all because you don't say what he says. You know, he can't, he said, you know, they were both willing to sideline their NFL career. Okay, well, listen, Pat, Pat Tillman was like, what, a seventh-round seventh draft pick? Yeah, I believe you know, so. He, he, was, he, 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 was a, he was right there on the bubble of making it in the NFL or not. Fought there in a roster spot and played four years, which is longer than the average career. So he actually sidelined his career that he had earned and fought for and worked his ass off for to go pursue this to serve his country. Colin Kaepernick's career was pretty much over when he decided. So there was no Colin Kaepernick sideline in his NFL career, as Brett Favre you know, what, you know, said. Uh, I think it's good that Brett Favre came out and, and backed off his statement because that shows that there are still people out here that, that had the testicular fortitude to stand up and say, hey, what you said is stupid. So he retracted it. Now, again, Brett Favre shouldn't have said it to begin with. This is stupid. Because Colin Kaepernick's career was uh, – the, the toilet bowl had already been flushed. He was swirling down. You know, Tillman was right there, you know, still able to contribute as a member of his team. Colin Kaepernick wasn't doing shit. So the fact that Brett Favre came out and said anything is just absolutely ignorant. He just needs to keep his freaking mouth shut when it comes to issues like this. If he wants to sit down and break down a quarterback's play on film – or he wants to sit there and chug a beer, hey, more power to him. That's something he knows a little bit about. But when it comes to stuff like this, he, he just needs to keep his mouth shut unless he's willing to educate himself and be knowledgeable enough to make a statement that doesn't doesn't make him sound like an absolute ignoramus. Tillman was the 226th draft pick, so yes, he was a, a late-round guy um, for the Cardinals there to make sure we get the fact correct 
on that one. So moving on now, our final topic that we have here for the Schmidt break is one that is very polarizing right now. A lot of people are talking about it um, because it is one of the main sports that we have going on right now. And and that is NASCAR. And we know that recently um, there was a noose that was found uh, in the uh, uh, near Bubba Wallace. Uh, the uh, drives uh, was car number 43, correct? Is that the yeah. yeah, 43 car for Richard Petty Motorsports, one of the most iconic numbers and car schemes in all of NASCAR history. Right, and so and so as if you don't know Bubba Wallace, he uh, he is an African American, um, and he is a driver in NASCAR. There's been a lot that has gone on um, uh, over the past just few weeks with NASCAR. Uh, a lot of changes that have been made. Uh, obviously, some people not big fans of that, as we can see uh, from what I've seen from it. And from what is going on legally right now is they are looking into it. They're looking to find out both NASCAR uh, and I believe Alabama, um, I believe the attorney general down in Alabama, they're investigating this case as much as possible to see who it is. And if someone is found or um, when someone is found in this case, uh, they say that whoever it is will be banned for life from NASCAR Um, with what's going on. in, in our current culture, uh, it, whoever did it, I mean, if this is a blatant act of someone trying to, you know, really get, get under Bubba's skin or whatever it is, um, you have to look at it and just say, you know, why, why would you do something like that? That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, this guy is a, is someone who is trying to, you know, I feel bring more people to the sport, uh, whether, you know, whether we agree on that or not, I do think he is trying to bring uh, a lot more to the sport and, uh, he's, he's using a platform that he has. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people we saw today uh, at the race, you know, the solidarity, uh, that happened with him, uh, everybody getting in and walking with him, the hug from Richard Petty, um, everything that's been going on. Bubba finished, I believe 14th today. So everything that's going on right now uh, with our with, you know, just the everything that's happening, you know, you look at this news thing. If this is a blatant attack on Bubba Wallace, you have to just absolutely, absolutely look at it and just be like, you know, why would someone just do that? Yeah. So so Bubba Wallace was one of the, the leading drivers in the push for NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag. Okay. Again, I'm a First Amendment absolutist. I believe everybody has the right to voice their their free speech. However they do that, as long as it falls within the rules of the law, I think they're okay to do that. If somebody wants to have a, a Confederate flag, in my opinion, they are more than welcome. I'm going to give you my opinion on the, on the Confederate flag, okay? <clears throat> I'm a true patriotic American when I say this, okay? So hear me out. Okay, they had disagreements in our country at the time. They, not everybody knew what was the right thing to do, but the majority knew the right thing was slavery was wrong, and it needed to end. And ultimately, it divided our country far enough to where we had a civil war. Okay, and that Confederate flag was a representation of the Confederate States of America. Okay, so they departed the Union that seceded from it to form their own country. We fought a war. And the Union ultimately whipped their ass to prove to them that slavery was wrong. There were other things that contributed to that war, but the thing that everybody latches onto, and one of the biggest reasons for it is slavery. Slavery was wrong. 
slavery has been around since the biblical days. It, it is a hundred percent wrong. Okay. And the union beat the Confederates ass to prove them, to prove that it's wrong. We fought a war. But again, if you have the right to fly that flag, but again, circle back to the beginning, Bubba Wallace and some other drivers pushed to have it banned. He was the leading voice for it. You know, as an African-American man, he led the charge on that. Absolutely commend, I commend him 100% for stepping up. Again, it's easy to stand for something that you know is right. Uh, and right now, our media will latch on to you if you do that. But kudos to Bubba for standing up for what's right. Okay. Uh, as far as the report that came out over this uh, last weekend at the race of the noose being found in his garage area, um, I, I don't think there's enough facts for anybody to speak out in full confidence. I will say if that's what happened, that, that person's a degenerate and they should be banned uh, from NASCAR for life. Uh, they should also suffer the full penalty of the law. I'm no law expert in the state of Alabama, but I will say whatever you can charge them with, throw the book at them, and then try to reform and teach them a lesson on why that's wrong. Uh, because that, that is absolutely awful. I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're an absolute POS. And if you don't know what that abbreviation means, look it up, because uh, that's what that person is. They're awful. They're, they're an absolute piece of trash. Um, that said, I, I think we need to pump the brakes on everybody in NASCAR as a racist, because uh, that's kind of where the media is going, and they're kind of targeting the NASCAR fans, and I don't think that's the case. I think there's some really good people. Um, so I think we just need to wait, let these investigations, you know, kind of run their course. I will say this, uh, I think it is a little suspicious of the fact that this kind of fits the narrative too well. Um, I'm not calling it a Jesse Smollett case by any means, but I think it does fit the narrative a little too well. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they're, they're not really doing much in the garage areas right now. It's limited access, so there's not a lot of people. Uh, and there should be a lot of cameras. So this seems like a pretty open and shut case. They should be able to figure this out pretty quick. And the fact that an announcement wasn't made as of Monday, I, I don't understand the reason behind that. I know they had a race to run. Um, this is a pretty damn big deal if there's, you know, fire behind the smoke. And, and, and if it was somebody that did this intentionally, um, they need to suffer in, in every way they can because it's absolutely pathetic. And, and it's not, there's, no, there's no place in our world today for people like this and people who do feel this way to discriminate against another person just based off the color of their skin. Uh, they, they need to be reformed and they need to be taught the right way. Uh, because, you know, we're all made in the image of God, regardless of our skin color. Uh, and we're all in this world to make a difference. And uh, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Like I said, I hope we, we find out soon. Uh, and like I said, if this is an intentional act, I think whoever did this absolutely needs to pay for it. I did like Bubba Wallace's uh, comments today after the race. I, I obviously, you know, I'm sure everybody that's a professional is a competitor um, and in his mind, you know, he would rather take first, but I think just being able to race the race and finish it uh, to say what he said afterwards was, you know, uh, I know I don't have my mask on. I'm sorry, but I just want people to know uh, you can't break my smile. I like that. Uh, I thought that was a good kind of touch uh, to the end of the race um, uh, for a guy like Bubba, who, you know, like you said, has led a charge and has stood up for what he believed in um, and has had a lot of uh, support from the other drivers, uh, that are around there. So, Justin, uh, it's been another phenomenal Schmidt break, man. I'm Ethan, Ethan, real quick before we break out, 
I do have a user submitted question that I said I would hit on in today's episode. Okay. All right. So let me hit you with it real quick. The speaking of baseball, they hit me with two baseball questions, and they said, "Should steroids be allowed in Major League Baseball, and should Pete Rose be welcomed back to Major League Baseball and be put in the Hall of Fame?" And so to answer those questions in chronological order, I say yes. Steroids should be allowed in baseball because 90s baseball with steroids was some of the greatest baseball we've ever seen. And to answer that second question, hell yes, Pete Rose should be allowed in in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So then McGuire, Sosa, Clemens, those guys. Open the floodgates and let them in. I don't know if Clemens will get in because I think uh, there's a bunch of leftists that vote on it, and he's a little too conservative for them. Uh, so they'll have to, you know, they'll have to put their political bias aside to let him in. But yeah, I say you let the, you know, put an asterisk on if you want, but by God, let him in because that drew some of the greatest baseball games we've ever seen uh, and drew a lot of fans in. So, you know, I, I don't know if they should, you know, just full run endorse steroids, but, you know, if they were to turn their eye the other way, I don't think that's a bad thing for the sport. Well, Justin, as always, it's uh, it's always entertaining to get a chance to talk with you. Um, shout out to our, our user submitted question there. Um, uh, as always, yeah, you guys know in the Schmidt break, Justin's going to bring uh, bring his uh, opinions that are correct in his opinion. Is that a good way to put it? That, that's a great way to put it. Okay, I, I have my, I'm exerting my First Amendment right to voice my correct opinion. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, for everyone uh, that's been listening to us, we thank you so much for tuning in to episode 12 of Talking Schmidt. Also, just a quick update for you guys. We are darn near close to 350 total downloads. Um, I think by the end of this episode, there's a possibility we could have close to 400. So that would not be possible without all of you who are listening. So thank you so much for being a part of this. I know Justin appreciates it. I appreciate it. Uh, every time that I check, it seems like my numbers keep going up uh, and and just kind of starting this on a whim and, and not knowing if this was actually going to be anything. It's a really cool thing to be very close to almost 400 downloads. So that would not be possible without each and every one of you. Thank you so much. If you know anybody that wants to sponsor it, Justin, I would always appreciate extra money in our pocket. So just, uh, <laughs> just let us know. We would, uh, we'd be down for that. Absolutely. I, I'm also a proud American, a proud Christian and a proud capitalist. That's right. So if we can help sell your products for you, just let us know. A new Twitter bio for Justin Kleinert. Well, everyone, it's been episode 12. The Schmidt break is finally out. The episode is finally over. Don't forget, we'll have another one coming up this Thursday. We hope that you join us then.